Well, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for that child in a manger. And Father, thank you for the great Christmas story that so clearly communicates your love for us. Thank you for the great grace that you've shown us. And that out of your love and out of your kindness springs this sovereign, amazing plan whereby you put on flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you, Father, that you love us and you've drawn us unto yourself. This morning, as we reflect once again on just the basics of the Christmas story, may you touch our hearts and clear our minds and change our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you were to come to our house on Christmas morning, I suspect that it's not a whole lot different than at your house in that we have tradition. Do you find that you do the same things every year? At our house on Christmas morning, we have the same stockings. We exchange stockings and that's what we wake up to. So late Christmas Eve, we stuff stockings and we have them with our names on them, and they're always in the same spot. So when we rise, we know right where to go to get our stocking. And then we prepare, and we always go to Mamaw's house. And when we get to Mamaw's house, it's always the same. Uncle George and Aunt Rhonda and Zach are there. Mamaw's got the coffee pot going. Down the stairs we go, and we all always sit in the same spot. And we all always do the same thing, and we exchange gifts in the same order. We eat the same menu, we listen to the same music, we read the same story. Christmas, in most people's homes, is not about the new and the inventive, is it? Christmas is about the same story, familiar and yet so significantly meaningful. This morning, we have just a few minutes because we need to reserve a large portion of time for our, our uh, baptismal candidates so that they can share their testimonies and enter the waters of baptism. But I've entitled our message this morning, Christmas is a time to remember. Have you noticed that there has been a movement among some, and I suspect a relatively small group of people who are making a loud noise, they are renting billboards, they are putting signs on the sides of buses in the city, and they are trying to remove Christ from Christmas. Do you know that you can't do that? You can't remove Christ from Christmas um, because Christmas is all about Christ. To say Christ is not a part of Christmas is to say Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson were never part of the Civil War. You can say it if you want, but it isn't true. It is all about the same thing every year. Focusing on Christ, and out of that, we've often build our traditions, right? And because Christ gave, we have begun this practice of exchanging gifts as well. Christmas is about the familiar. Christmas is about remembering. And this morning, in the few minutes that we have, I want us to turn in our Bibles to perhaps the most familiar 
Bible verse of all. You see it held up on signs in ball stadiums. It's John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 16. And I want to suggest to you this morning that John verse 3 and verse 16 is probably the most concise and most important Christmas verse that we have in all of our Bibles. It's very familiar, but it's all about Christmas in a nutshell in John chapter 3 and verse 16. Christmas is not a time to make up new things. Christmas is not a time to redefine what we do. Christmas is a time to stick with the familiar. Christmas is a time to understand why we have the traditions we have. And I thought it would be good for us to take just a few minutes and um, take a look at John chapter 3 and verse 16. Christmas is a time to remember. Let's see if we can use our screen a little bit this morning because we're in a hurry. And that will help us out a little bit. We're going to read John's Gospel, chapter 3, begin with verse 16, <clears throat> excuse me, through verse 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Did you see the Christmas story there? Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave... Oh, Keith, I knew I couldn't do this. What do I do? My secretary talked me into doing this today. She said, we need some pictures. You run it. I want the verse up there right now. I didn't mean to disrupt everything. But I wanted to click off here on our screen. For God so loved the world. And this verse is so familiar to us that I can't hardly read it out of the NIV. I memorized it out of the King James. But do you see Christmas in there? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. The giving of his son is the Christmas story, isn't it? Did you notice further in the passage, it says in verse 19, this is the verdict, light, capital L, has come into the world. That's the Christmas story, isn't it? Light, Christ coming into the world. The Christmas story in a nutshell. What a familiar story. What is more familiar than John 3.16? Perhaps the only thing more familiar than that is our Christmas morning tradition. I would like to emphasize out of John 3.16 that Christmas will always be about remembering certain things. They're familiar things. Let's review them. Christmas will always be about remembering these things, no matter what they put on a billboard, no matter what they say about our Christmas traditions. They cannot remove Christ from Christmas. First of all, I want you to see in John 3.16 that we are loved by God. We are loved by God. 
Christmas will always be about remembering that we are loved by God. You see it in John 3.16 clearly, don't you? For God so what? He loved the world. And aren't you glad he loved the world? You know, the Apostle Paul spent a lot of time writing in a lot of small print in all of his epistles explaining how dirty, rotten, and sinful we are and that we fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of our sin is death and that there is a penal or a, a lawful death that is given to us. We sit in the condemnation chair. And isn't it interesting that God did not send a judge or a sheriff? If we're such rotten sinners and we need straightened out and if we have problems with somebody, wouldn't you send a judge or a sheriff? Go straighten those people out, lock them up, Judge them, take care of them. And so one of the things we need to remember this Christmas is the most familiar phrase of all. We must remember that Christmas is always about God loving us. For God so loved the world. I'm so thankful that he was motivated out of love and not just justice. Amen? Secondly, I want you to notice that Christmas will always be about remembering that we are valuable to God. We are valuable to God. Look what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave what? The NIV says his one and only son. King James says his only begotten son. All right. Now admit it. You sometimes walk around Walmart. And you try to figure out, what in the world am I going to buy this person? And you see a gift that you could buy, and you say, I'm not spending that much money. Nah. And so you end up doing what? You end up going over there to, uh, what's the name of the sausage people? I want to say Bob Evans, but... Uh, Hickory Farms. I didn't write it down. I thought I had it. Hickory Farms. And so then you say, I know what I'll do. I'll buy this cheese and sausage and thing kit. And then you say, nah. And you buy one of those just to stick a sausage. And you write a little card and you say, Merry Christmas. Love. P.S. Enjoy the sausage. Let me ask you a question. Can't you tell who you love the most in your life by what you get them? Aren't you glad that God didn't love us enough just to send us a sausage or a necktie? You understand what I'm saying? Listen, when we reflect upon the Christmas story, isn't it true that it will always be about how much we are loved by God? And isn't it true that He showed His love by us by impressing upon us the value that we are to him by giving us what? The greatest gift he could ever give, his one and only son. I don't know that there's anybody in here that I would even give my 270 deer rifle to for Christmas. And for sure, it sounds awful, but you can pretty much just go to hell before I'd give my son for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't mean to be rude or crass in any way. Think about how loved we are that he would give his most valuable possession, the most valuable thing he has, 
I value you and I sh- I'm showing that to you in what I am giving to you. Do you remember what Romans 6.1 6, says? Romans 5.1. Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us in this, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, this whole process was done not for good people, but for bad people. Well, Christmas will always be about the familiar at your house and my house. And when we open our Bibles, Christmas is always about the familiar. It's not a time for innovation. It's not a time to make it about something that it's not about. And it will always be about remembering that we are loved by God. We are valuable to God. He didn't send a necktie or a sausage. But I also want you to notice that Christmas will always also be about, and we see in this passage that there are no favorites with God. There are no favorites with God. Do you see that in the passage? For God so, what did He do? He loved that He gave His only begotten Son. What's the next phrase? Whosoever. That whosoever. Listen, God did not just give Jesus for His good friends. He didn't just invite His friends to have a relationship with Him. Now you think about this. Some of you have traditional annual Christmas parties, don't you? And you have people come over. And you say a couple things. You'll say, well, we want to have so-and-so and so-and-so over because we always have them over at Christmas time. That's our Christmas friends. We have them over. Sometimes we might include somebody that we really need to include for any number of reasons. Not that we don't want to. But we don't include everyone, do we? We kind of handpick who it is that we can fit into our schedules. People that we need to connect with. People that we value. People that we want to be close with at that time. Right? But when God celebrated Christmas, when God invented Christmas, when God gave His only begotten Son, He invited people in that you'd rather not be with. On occasion, I have people in my world. I had one waiting in my office the other day. I have no idea who he is. And when I came in my side door, there he was, seated in my office, waiting, somewhat unnerving my secretary. Buddy, what are you doing in my office, man? You already got this place stunk up. Buddy, I got a schedule, man. I don't have time to talk to you, and I know what you want. And I know why you're where you are. All the bad decisions, all the disobedience, all of the foolish spending you've done, all of the addictive habits you've engaged in, why are you coming to me now? That's the human response, isn't it? And you're not going to stay in my guest room tonight. There's undesirable people in our world, aren't there? And we just soon avoid them. Some of them you hang out with long enough, you'll even get lice. But God said, whosoever will may come. Anybody. Anybody. There's not one person in God's eyes who's more valuable than another. You know that? And when he died on that cross... And when he gave his only son to be born of Mary, he did it just as much 
for the scummiest low life that we would consider whatever you would identify in your world as that kind of a person as he did for the most important among us. That's the kind of God we have. Isn't that amazing? And that's what Christmas is all about. It is about how loved we are by God, how valuable we are to God, that there are no favorites with God, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever, He didn't just invite His friends. Now notice how it wraps up, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have, and I'm going to say, everlasting life. Everlasting life in the sense that we're alive now and it will never end. Eternal life, as the NIV translates it, could imply a backward life. And I think it weakens the translation. An everlasting life is one that is alive now, one that is made alive in Christ, and off we go and we'll never die. We were not some spirit egg that got hatched out, as some people would teach, or different cults and false religions. Okay? What a remarkable gift. What a remarkable gift. Sam was referencing that if you knew what would help somebody with, you know, adult onset diabetes or, or bladder cancer, or different kinds of cancers, if you knew you could help them, what would you do? You would try to help them. If you knew how to give somebody everlasting life in heaven with God, apart from sin, where there's no tears, no crying, would you give it to them? I would say that's the greatest gift that could ever be given, wouldn't you? We have the greatest gift from God. Listen, He couldn't have sent us a better gift. He couldn't have sent us a better gift. Some of you want a new car real bad. A new deer rifle. A new radial arm saw. I don't know what women want. New shoes with purse to match. Whatever. I don't know what you want. I haven't thought about it. I know what Janie wants. Nothing compares, does it? To know that I was once lost in sin and that I was sought out by my Heavenly Father to the degree that He had the answer to my problem, He gave His only Son to go to the cross to bear, bear my sin that by grace through faith I could accept Him. Do you know him? Have you received his free gift? What a wonderful reality that we can review the familiarities of Christmas and know that we are loved. We are loved by God. We are valuable to God. There are no favorites with God. And the greatest gift we've ever could receive, we've received from God. You need to know this morning that it's not automatic. It's not automatic. Paul said that we must believe that Jesus is the Christ and that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. John says later in chapter 3 here, look at verse 35. Do you still have your Bible open to chapter 3, verse 35? Look what it says. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal Life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Listen, you can divide every person in the world into one of two categories. 
either in the Son, set free from the wrath of God, or sitting in the chair of condemnation under the wrath of God. John chapter 3, verse 35. There it is. You're either in the Son or you're not. Verse uh, yeah, 36. And so this morning, as you listen to the testimonies of those who have professed Christ as Savior, what they're saying is that they understand that they were sinners and that they were lost and that they came to a place in their life where they knew they were hopelessly lost and could do nothing to attain God's heaven, but they realized that God sent Jesus to die on the cross as a substitute for them. And by His grace, their eyes were opened. They acknowledged by faith, believing that it was true. On faith alone, no works of their own, no good works to get into heaven, just believing that Jesus was the Christ, admitting their sinfulness, believing He is the Christ, confessing that He rose again for their justification. Amen. This Christmas, receive the most valuable gift of all, would you? Receive the most valuable gift. It's worth a whole lot more than a stick of sausage. And almost nobody besides the preachers wearing neckties these days. So... You can get something a lot more valuable than that. Let's bow in prayer. Father, though these words are so familiar to us, we recognize that Christmas is about the familiar. And yet, no more important words are spoken than these. That you loved us in spite of our sinfulness and gave your Son to die on the cross for us. Thank you, Father, that he left his throne and came to earth, became a man, to communicate your love to us so clearly. Father, I pray now for those who will enter the waters of baptism publicly testifying they've repented of their sin and they follow after Christ. May this be a joy-filled time. Bless each heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.